Here by the Owl podcast is a podcast for owlets and wise owls alike. Join hosts Nikki Fiddle-Eye-Doll and Brianna Briegel along with rotating owls from across the country as they discuss what it takes to advise from time to time. Our podcast is fueled by the true knowledge from empowering agricultural education instructors and ripen with the wisdom you will never learn in a textbook. Welcome back to another episode of Here by the Owl podcast. We're so excited to be with our friend here, Sheldon, today to talk all things fundraising and supporting uh, FFA chapters and working with foundations and alumni to kind of come together uh, and and support our our great FFA chapters um, and get that money that everybody needs to do the amazing things that our programs do. So Sheldon, why don't you start by introducing yourself and talk about um, you, your, you and your job role, some of your responsibilities and kind of how long you've been in that role. Sure. Well, thank you for having me, Nikki. Um, I'm Sheldon McKinney. I am the executive director of the Kentucky FFA Foundation. And I came to this role. I was a former ag teacher. I taught high school agriculture for three years. And then I had this opportunity to come into this role. I've been the director of the foundation for nine years which fundraising is um, a job that people burn out of quick and, and go. So that really makes me a veteran in <laughs> just nine years. There's a few states who have had directors around longer than me, but um, yeah, I get to, what I do is I tell people is that I raise support to complete the vision of Kentucky FFA, growing leaders, building communities and strengthening agriculture. So I work with corporations to raise gifts. I work with government. I work with individuals, um, all to raise funds to accomplish our vision for FFA chapters and ag teachers and FFA members across Kentucky. I love that. And vision is right. And I feel like there's a vision, there's a different vision for every person that you work with. And it's really right. cool that you get to kind of help drive their vision um, for the money that they're donating. So how, um, I guess what inspired you to, to get into this role, moving from being an ag teacher to being an executive director? Well, I wish I had some like <laughs> inspirational things to tell you, but uh, I, when I was a college student, um, our former executive director was uh, the former Kentucky Commissioner of Agriculture. His name was Billy Ray Smith. And I worked at his son's feed mill when I was in college, just like as the girl at the counter. And he became, uh, he went from being the Commissioner of Agriculture to the Executive Director of the Foundation. So he went from like having a staff of hundreds of people and a driver and an assistant to being like, yeah, it's all you like figure out how to send your mail and stuff the name tags and he just needed some help. And so I had been a face state officer. I was ag ed and um, he asked, would you come and just work for me a few hours a week and on your own time? And so my sophomore year of college, I started interning. So we called it interning with Billy Ray. And basically I would just go to his house and he would be like, I need you to create invoices for all these things, or I need you to stuff all these envelopes and all kinds of random jobs. So I did that for a few years and was really with him as like the foundation started getting some big legs. Um, and then I took my dream job teaching high school agriculture. Um, and I loved it and it was hard and uh, I probably wasn't in the, the best fit for me, but I was just super burnt out 
after three years, I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I got married to an ag teacher. Uh, we moved to his part of the state in Kentucky, closer to Billy Ray, who wanted to retire and said, would you come and take my job? <laughs> and that's really it. And so I never thought I would be in fundraising, but I believe it's a calling for me because I'm a futuristic thinker. I'm also like a connector of people. And so I love seeing challenges and understanding what teachers are dealing with in their classrooms and going, this company needs some help here too. And this is a solution. I can connect them for a greater good and solution. And I love helping individuals who have just a real heart to make a difference to FFA members. I love creating the opportunities for them to do that. So um, it's, it's my dream job that I didn't know existed. I feel like it takes a special person um, to do what you do. Like, I don't know. It, it's hard to ask for money. Like as an ag teacher, like everybody listening has a fundraiser, right? And sometimes that's hard. And so, um, you know, I don't even think that I ask for money. I think about that a lot. Um, and we raise a lot of money in Kentucky. I'm going to like, I don't want to even say humble bragging. It's not it. It's just, we have worked hard. We have great donors and we raise a lot of money for our FFA chapters and members. And I, um, all people can do is tell you no, but I really like to just think is that I'm creating opportunities for them to make a difference and they can support us in that mission and it's good work and I'm proud of what our teachers do and I am always proud and excited to offer new opportunities to them through philanthropy. Yeah. And I, and I love that you, you were an ag teacher too. So you, I mean, you can explain it to them and, and really get them connected. And um, I don't know, I think it's a, I think you have a crazy puzzle you're working with, um, but you can get the right people connected with the right fundraiser or event. So if it is I mean, you briefly puzzle. explained, what was that? As it is a crazy puzzle, I'll tell you a story. I got to go to um, a national FFA board meeting once and we got to bring in our group of Kentucky Master Ag Teachers is a two-year leadership cohort that we have for teachers in Kentucky. Um, they got to come and meet with the National FFA Foundation Sponsors Board. And so it's this, I'll tell you that they are like a group of executives. They've all flown in for this meeting. They do travel all the time. They're happy to support FFA. Their companies are engaged. And they got to sit down and talk to these teachers. And um, we had a great teacher, Kristen Wright from Seneca, and she was talking to this uh, executive about the struggle of getting enough paper in her classroom. And like paper was like gold in her school and they traded for paper and everybody needed paper. And this was like this big barrier that she had. And to think about an executive of a company who, uh, you know, has expense accounts and flies everywhere and like nobody at a company would go, I can't do my job because I don't have enough paper. And they wouldn't give him paper, <laughs> you know? So it was just like, wow, just to see, um, to make those connections for teachers to have better opportunities is, is fun to get to do. That is a puzzle. Yeah. And the more, I just love getting connected with people in industry because then I can further connect industry to my kids. And I think that's cool. So in your job, and you mentioned just briefly, about your role in fu fundraising for Kentucky FFA, but can you really like paint a picture about what, what your overall role is 
in creating this vision and helping all the pieces of that puzzle fall into place. Girl, we have, um, so first I work for a board of trustees. So I have 24 bosses. The board sets the vision and direction and my goals for Kentucky FFA um, about where we're going and what they want me to accomplish every year. And the, it's high level stuff. It's not like you make 10 phone calls a week. It's like you raise this much money. You do these things, like kind of big overarching goals. I manage a staff of two. And then we work to support the work that our, you know, our State Department of Education tells us we need and, and teachers tell us that they need. My work ranges from everything to working with companies who s support programs that we have. Sponsors is what you would normally just call that. Is That's what you would see, you know, those logo recognition, the John Deere, Ram trucks, those things that you see. I work with all those companies um, to get them in front of FFA members for brand recognition. And then I also work with a lot of individuals. We have a great individual giving program in Kentucky, like... Um, I have a person who recently gave $50,000 to endow with our foundation that will always benefit his local FFA chapter for student opportunities for forever. So I make those connections happen. Um, we also do fundraising programs like Give FFA Day coming up on Friday, February 25th. We have our, we're trying to get lots of people to make small gifts to make an impact that day. So we're thinking about social media strategy and communications. And then I do a lot of development work with, um, with government here in Kentucky and grants. I do grant writing. And so just about any way you could think you could make or raise money, um, we do that here in Kentucky. We have a diverse um, places that help fund us. How do you really work to get those different individuals, like whether it's the business or the, the individual people, involved with fundraising and wanting to give um, to members. So I think about like, even as an ag teacher, like you might have those people identified in your community, but how do you approach them to get them to donate money? Well, I would tell you when my uh, first couple of years in this job, one of my mentors, he, he's over fundraising at the University of Kentucky, like the whole university. And he's a former FFA state officer and a person. And, and he coaches me occasionally. And he told me once, um, do you know what you would do, what, what you would do if I gave you a million dollars for Kentucky FFA, what would you do with it? And I was like, well, I'm not sure, you know, like I had to think about it, all those things. And he said, Sheldon, if you don't know what a million dollars can do immediately, there is no one who will ever give you a million dollars. And that just sparked something in me. People really don't give to need, they give to vision. They want to be a part of something that's going to change the trajectory of something that they see or they care about. So for ag teachers, I would tell you first, instead of going like, how do I go ask this person for money? I tell people to make a list of what money would do for you. And I have this exercise with teachers and saying like, $100. If someone in your community came up and said, I wanna give you $100 to make a difference in your program, what does that do? And you decide. And then do that for different amounts, 500, 1,000. And then I have also people go like, what if you got $1,000 every year that was just recurring? What if you got $5,000 every year that just was this bucket of money there? 
What if one time you got to apply for a grant for $25,000? What would you apply for? And really just kind of piece out, here's what money could do for my students. Here's what it could do for my program. And once you have that idea and you feel inspired about what money could do, then it comes easy. It's not going to somebody and saying, would you please support us by giving us $100? Instead, you get to go and say, if you make an investment with our FFA chapter, I'm going to get to take this student to FFA camp for the first time. They've worked so hard on it. And so I always like to say like, most ag teachers were FFA members. If you weren't, maybe not. But if your high school ag teacher called you and said, Brianna, I have a student who has worked so hard in this program. They are on fire for FFA. They're really deserving. They really need some help. They've qualified to go to state FFA convention, but they do not have the money to go. They need $50. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to find some donors who would pay for their trip. I thought of you. Would you want to support it? Sorry. Um, how does that make you feel? If somebody made that ask to you? I'm going to get my wallet out. But <laughs> you gave him your wallet. You wouldn't have said like, oh, you asked me for money. You would have been like, you invited me to make a difference to something I care about. And so that's what we do. That's amazing. I, I want to repeat what you said. People don't give to need, they give to vision. And I think sometimes we forget that. And two, with our kids, that's so important because they need to, they need to think of their vision, uh, yeah. whether that's selling fruit or wh whatever. Um, it, it's a great approach that should be taken. I think it's a good conversation um, for ag teachers to have with their kids, their officers. Um, I love that. Now, I know Kentucky FFA does a lot of cool things. And those people listening are probably, some people are probably like fundraising this year is impossible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, now I know COVID made some things interesting for you as well. Yeah. How can, how do you approach, you know, your fundraisers that you, you traditionally do and, and revamp them for a year like we had without giving up? I mean... It, yeah. it, ag teachers everywhere just threw up their hands on what else do you do so what's your advice for that maybe what what are some things that Kentucky FFA and and you did at the helm to to still create those opportunities even sure. during a hard year well for us we kept asking we never let off the throttle for a second um you know, I think probably a lot of people approach this differently and a lot of people just stopped. And especially a lot of people in nonprofit work just stopped. Um, my board chairman called every week and said, what are we doing? What are we doing? Um, I did budget forecasting every month throughout the pandemic to say, here's where I think we're going. Here's where I think we can do. And we really didn't miss a lot of beats in, in 2020, despite enormous challenges. So for us in Kentucky, we had a virtual FFA state convention. 98% of our sponsors gave to it like it was an in-person convention. They still supported all their CDEs because it, we do not have a transactional relationship. We have a relationship and that they believe in what we're doing. They are partners in our work. And so they, 
they stuck by us through all of that. Um, 2021, we'll see, you know, we're, we haven't made exact plans for our 21 convention. So, but I had a, I was texting with one of our sponsors today who she works for a big implement dealership in Kentucky here. And we're talking about something else. And she said, have you decided about convention? And I told her, no, um, here's some of our ideas. I'll let you know when we know. And she said, whatever you need, we're going to support you. That doesn't come from transactional. It comes from relationships of years of people truly identifying as our partners. And I would say that you probably have a lot of people in every community who truly identify as your partner. And so I think it's just not stopping and continuing to give them an opportunity. You know, um, so many auctions went virtual this year. I'll share it. We have an in-person gala. This would have been our fourth year that we would have had it that raises, we net about $100,000 for Kentucky FFA members that night. And it's become really special to us. We did not get to have that this year, but we decided, hey, we're going to still offer a virtual event. Now, like almost all virtual events are lame, and I'm not saying that ours was really fun, but um, we, we did a raffle. We invited our sponsors that they were table buyers to still, you know, sponsor our event. We had an auction that people bid on. It was an online auction. And we did a one-hour live broadcast to kind of culminate it that night. Me and my colleague, Emily, um, dressed up and broadcasted live from a church stage. There was four people in the whole building. And she and I were just like, you know, Vanna White hostesses that night. And we raised $92,000. And it was just people who believe in us and said, I want to support you still. Now, we learned a lot from that. So I don't think we'll ever offer a fundraising event again that people cannot participate in virtually. I think state convention will always have a virtual component um, because it engaged so many more people that typically were not engaged with this. You know, people who it was a barrier to drive and buy a ticket and do all these things, um, they gave. And so anything we do from now on, we're gonna make sure that you don't have to be there to, to make a difference. So I think those are some good things that, that came from uh, the pandemic for us. Right, I would say the same thing about like, you know, our chapter banquet last spring was virtual too, but all the people that got to see it, you know, normally some of our biggest supporters are the farmers that are in the field during that time. So um, I think having a recorded option or having a live stream or something, even a, of something like our banquet is a great idea too. Um, thinking about like our state alumni meeting that we had recently, the largest, uh, you know, amount of people there in a long time because they were able to either come in person or virtually. So that's another, you know, awesome thing to keep too. But in addition to your gala, do you have any other um, like fundraising events like that throughout the year? Do you kind of just focus on that really big one um, that is going to make the most impact? Um, that is our only event that we have really focused on. We used to go to a lot of trade shows, you know, like the Farm Machinery Show in Kentucky and um, some of our conventions. We always had a present there, presence there and we've sold uh, collectible toy tractors for 26 years. So we would go to these things to do that. But um, the foundation has a lot of hands in our state of a fake convention 
Uh, and so we, we have lots of events there, but it's not ever been focused on fundraising. The gala has been our focus on it's fundraising only. We don't give awards that night. We don't set, you know, have a reason to get together other than we're throwing a party and we're raising money. And so that's been kind of the focus there. Hope we can get back to that in 21. So. Now you mentioned this relationship in, and I, I mean, it just seems like you have this massive foundation of people and that didn't happen overnight. Um, and I say foundation as a sense of like this foundation of supporters lifting up Kentucky FFA. Mm -hmm. And thankfully you had that built. So when the pandemic hit, those people were willing to still support your vision and your cause. But you know, talking about like working together and, and how do you get all these dip, different groups working towards that same vision. I'm just curious, how do you create that atmosphere for those people to really feel like they're a partner and not just a, you know, someone signing a check? It is real relationships and it's picking up the phone, <laughs> uh, calling people, don't just send a letter. It's taking members there. It's inviting them to our events. And it is being, um, you know, if you're a major sponsor, there is a 90% chance you're also a judge at our convention. If you're a major donor, you're a judge. You are all these things. So it's more, it's not just money. It's they want to be a part of what we're doing. So it's offering those opportunities for people in your community. How I would do this locally um, is build a list. You know, instead of just like hoping that people are paying attention, build a list of alumni. FFA here is our, in fundraising, this is our hardest hurdle is that we have terrible data. We imagine that like millions of people have had an FFA experience and we have a fraction of their contact information to even invite them to give back. So you might be like, where are all our alumni? But have you reached out to them? You know, as a question. So one is to build a list of emails, your social media pages, but then also truly, here's a list of potential sponsors. Here's a list of, of farmers. Here's this list of people. And to make your life easy as an ag teacher, instead of going, I'm on 10 boards and I have to go to all these meetings and everyone sees me, how do you engage your students? How do you put them there? And then how do you create events that your community can be a part of and they feel like it's a relationship partner? So maybe your banquet, you invite businesses to come, even if they don't have kids watching that night. Maybe you invite them to be a part of your, you know, we have a big tractor parade in my hometown. That's a thing that everyone does, but it is creating opportunities without asking for money that they feel engaged to be a part of. And then when you have to make it ask for money, it comes easy because they really feel like they're in their fold. Um, our a donor base probably gets four to five touch points of good news stories and uh, things before we ever have a request for funds. You know, they are, they are really feeling like they are part of what we're doing and it's not easy. It takes a lot of work. That's our job. I don't teach school every day on top of all this. So it's become a little bit easier for me, but I would encourage every ag teacher to build that list out of who are your community partners. This is something we really encourage first year and new ag teachers who've maybe moved to a new community for the very first time and you don't know anybody. 
I can tell you so many stories of people locally who maybe got a new ag teacher and they'll be like, well, she did not come to the blank, blank, blank meeting, you know, and just fill in the blank of what it was. And then, well, she, they didn't do this. And I'm, and I go, did you ask him? Did you ask him to come? Have you invited him there? So in the summer on time off, I think it's important if you identify who kind of key community players are who, who keep the wheels turning in your community and agriculture, introduce yourself. And more than that, say, I really want to build a good network here. Could you introduce me to people who you think I should know? And just spend one or two days going out and meeting people. And, and I'm sure all of them would say, I'd love to take you around. I would love to do that. And do that. Give them FFA t-shirts. Introduce yourself. Ask what they're doing. Those are things that probably a lot of teachers don't think about how important they are. But historically, ag teachers have been a pillar in their community. And now I think that teaching is so much more taxing. And I think that that people have forgotten that piece. And so it makes the fundraising piece harder. When I think about my high school ag teachers, they knew everyone in creation. You know, they could pick up the phone and if you're, if the ag teacher called you, they were going to do it. And so I think that it has to be an intentional piece of like, I'm going to do some community building to get to, and then fundraising becomes easy. And I think, I mean, if you're listening, you're like, that sounds exhausting. It doesn't have to be. And, you know, being the pillar of a community sounds like that's a lot of weight on your shoulders, but you don't have to go to every board meeting and every committee meeting in your community to still be a pillar for your community. Um, but it takes knowing people. Um, you know, I think the best place to start and something that our chapter has done a little bit better job this year was during Teach Ag Day and during National FFA Week, we always plan something for the community. And like you said, Sheldon, like it, it, it's, it's just to say thank you. It, it does, I mean, whether it's they've donated shoe boxes to the egg department or they've given 20, it doesn't matter. It's literally to say thank you. So if you're wanting to dip your toe in the water and get started, um, plan, plan an event during those two times of the year and do something for your community. And you're not going to hit everybody, yeah. um, but it's, it's something. An idea that I am... Uh, we have some projects in Kentucky when we can safely all do things that are really about connecting ag teachers to the ag industry and seeing like what jobs are available. I think a great project for a local community would be like, okay, who are the biggest employers in my community, ag or not? Just employers. And maybe a few days in the summer, um, take your FFA officers, your executive team to do industry visits. Typically, the first two weeks of January, I take our state of FFA officers on an industry tour and we visit like 20 industry partners over a week across the state. Like we go everywhere. I think everyone can do that locally. Take two days in your summer and say, I'm going to take my officers to see the biggest employers in our community, to talk to their CEOs, to say, what kind of employees do you need here? How can FFA be a partner? What do you need from us? Um, you know who they are. They blue jackets open every door and it would be a great way for your kids to maybe see places that 
are definitely potential places they could work. Maybe their parents work and they've never been there. <laughs> you know, so there's a lot of um, opportunity there that I think is often missed just because you don't think that that's relevant. But if I'm a business owner in your community and you call and ask me, Kay, can we come and see a tour and hear about your business? I would love to have you. Right. I love that. Like connecting different, um, you know, careers in your community and whatnot. Um, some of my students, like their parents work for the different agribusinesses in town. And I've asked like, what does your dad do at Cargill? And they have no clue, you know, even like you said, their parents work there. Um, but just building those connections, like even at a young age is awesome. And I think a lot of times our businesses are looking for young people to come back and they want them to stay in the community. So um, what better way? And, and sometimes those businesses too, like they want to connect with our students, but they don't necessarily know how sure. uh, or have, you know, the, the resources to do that either. Um, but kind of thinking back to what you had said at the beginning about experiences and that's what people kind of want to pay for is like what the students can get out of it. Um, in my chapter that I'm in, like we send out a newsletter every single month talking about like the different things. And, um, you know, obviously you can do a mail one, but ours is over email. So that's mm -hmm. super easy too. Um, we, Nikki and I both really like posting on social media about different things because the community loves seeing that and loves seeing the things we're doing in our classroom. And um, I've gotten some sponsors just from that, you know, how can we help out with the Trout in the Classroom, you know, project you guys are working on. That's all donor uh, stewardship is what we would call that stewardship, just taking care of people and taking care of those relationships. So people want to know what their dollars go to. They want to feel good about their gift and they want to hear from students, you know, and um, I'll tell you a funny story I shared with my board today. We, uh, we got a grant from a foundation <clears throat> last fall that is based out of New York City. It's this foundation based out of New York City, but they fund Appalachia. So we have several counties in Kentucky that are Appalachian and um, we applied for SAE grants for them and they gave us $9,000 to fund $500 SAE grants for students, but it had to be in these Appalachian counties. So we had a student, I was following up with them today and they sent really nice thank you letters and I had to Zoom interview with these people and they are like truly all in tiny apartments in New York City, have not left in a year. And um one of our students sent this really nice letter about how he bought a new anvil with his $500. He had a, like an old cheap anvil, but then he negotiated and it was 800. He got it for 500. He just loves his new anvil. It's like the best anvil he's ever had. And he never told them like what he did with the anvil. <laughs> and so these people were like, man, this is so great. What is this kid doing with an anvil? Like that this is exciting for him to have. And so I got to follow up today and send pictures. He hand forges knives and is hand forging knives. So these people now, like they have seen a picture of this student. They've had a letter from him. They are engaged with his project. They told me today that my next grant request should be for at least double what I asked for last time and for multiple years. That is because they believed in what we were doing. And then we just gave them a little bit of, here's the difference you're making. We're inviting them to be a part of something good. And we never have Where's to apologize. Goosebumps. How cute is that? Yeah, it was great. And I so now if I wanted to take part it to of that story, 
I mean, they built that, they helped build that story right. for the kid. Yeah. And so now if I want to take to next level stewardship, what I would do is buy one of those boys knives from the FFA foundation and send it as a gift to the donor. That's yeah. like, you know, yeah. So, and you've, you've given some advice throughout, but what is your biggest advice to teachers, to fellow foundation uh, leaders, uh, alumni members that are listening? What is your advice for them to get started? Um, whether that's getting started in um, creating a vision for fundraising, whether that's getting started in starting these relationships or even creating, you know, you said a wish list when you, when you said, what would you do with, you know, all of this money? I, I thought to myself, I don't, same thing. Like, I think I have some ideas, but um, what, I guess, what is your tip for all of these people um, to just get started with something that's really large um, and, and hard to, and hard to manage. Yeah. Let me close this door. Hold on. Nikki, what would you say is your, um, no, you're good. I was just going to ask Nikki, like what she feels like is her, is her like favorite, um, like outreach for her community members. I, I think my favorite this year um, was I got it from Rachel Salvala from Wisconsin and we made yard signs and the kids actually picked uh, and it hurt me because I'm type A that they weren't pretty and printed. The kids wrote on them. So I made a template. They copied it. W were they perfect? No. Uh, did we have to white out some because like there were a few mistakes? Yes. But the kids in the classes on Teach Ag Day picked um, who they wanted to thank in the community. And I just asked them, who in the community do you feel needs to be thanked because they support our program, they support our FFA chapter, and they support our school? Now, keeping in mind, not every kid in my program is a diehard FFA member. Some aren't members. So were everybody on the list like the top you know donating people no but they all deserve to thank you and you should have seen some of them are still out some people put them in their windows um they were so thankful for this very cheap yard sign um and so i'm i we're gonna do that forever the kids we like drove around and delivered them um and so they got out of school and just like the the experience of them having to go into a business and like hand that to them and say like we're just here to say thank you for your support and some of these little eighth graders to go talk to somebody they they never they don't even know was really hard for them but it was so cool um and during during a hard year it filled a lot of buckets i think yeah that's awesome um I think that those just touch points of people, you know, when I taught, I was not a very good community partner. I taught in a community that I was new to. There were senior teachers who had been there a long time. It was their hometown. And I just let them take the lead on a lot of that. But that was a mistake. And, um, you know, I had the greenhouse and the end of the year, there's all this stuff that you couldn't, that just wasn't selling. And, and they would be like, yeah, 
don't even discount it. Once you, if you discount it, nobody will ever come back again and buy it for full price. And what I should have done is taken those to um, all of our partners. I should have taken them to the nursing home, you know, and been like, this is from FFA and had those, just anything you have like that, that is a really special gift to make somebody feel special is a, it's a great touch point. And so um, you asked earlier what I would tell anybody to do. And the first thing is, I think that you really should spend some time on making a wish list. Um, I just met with Kentucky State staff last week to talk about our wish list. And so we have worked together for, I've been in this role for nine years. Things that were on our wish list, um, there's so many things that have happened that have happened because we put it on a wish list. And it has been dreaming of, you know, our KMAT program, which is our leaders, teacher leadership core program. You know, after I had that vision, I was like, okay, I've got to find people who can make this happen. Um, we got to hire a new contract staff this year who is being a teacher coach to first and second year ag teachers exclusively traveling to their schools to help them and be community partners and all kinds of things. That was on a wish list for like five years. <laughs> you know, that's finally happened. So really make a wish list and go, what does $100 do? What does $1,000 do? What does $5,000 do? And then think, look at your greenhouse, look at your shop right down. Here's all the things. If I could make it perfect, here's what I would have. So when somebody in your community says, how can I help? You might go, I have a great partnership for them. I'm going to make this connection right here and invite them to make a difference. I'm not going to ask them for money. I'm going to invite them to make a difference. And then the second thing would be that also makes it easy for if you see grants come across from your state foundation or for national FFA, if you have a wish list, it's easy to go, this fits. You know, I'm writing this. Um, it can be something you share with your co-teachers. It could just be something that you keep really make a wish list. And then when you have your community partner list, it, they will become married and you will, you will find ways to make things on your wish list happen. So that would be my, my biggest yeah. tip for anybody. Well, and I think too, how many times, I don't know, Brianna, you probably know us on Aga Discussion Lab, somebody posts like, I just got notified that I got $10,000 left over of Perkins money. Like, and I don't, like, I don't know how to spend it. Like, how not like I'm like give it to me now and it's gone but that wish list will help for those situations if your admin comes to you and says we have such and such dollar amount that we need to spend by end of day mm -hmm. you know, you're good to go if you and, can hand and, them something um then no one else is getting that money because if they come to you and you're like well I I guess I don't know what I need they're gonna go elsewhere I'll go find someone else and again People don't give to need, they give to vision. They give to vision. And so if you have someone in your community or your principal and you walk them through and you go, let, let me tell you what I think this could be. And you can paint this picture for your students and for your community. Well, now you have people who wanna make it happen for you. If you are continuously, I'll tell you an issue that is a real issue for teachers. And I know is travel, travel funds and how much it costs to get a school bus, all these places. I know it's a need. I know we need to meet it. But I kind of come back all the time and I'm like, 
can you not figure this piece out locally in so many ways? And then I'm like, okay, well, if you can't, if really the bus is the thing, then maybe we can scholarship more students to CAM. Maybe that's my role in that. But um, maybe if you have a travel need, which is a lot of people say that is, if someone had, if you're having a fundraiser, have it exclusively be, this is gonna pay for our bus to get to here. This is paying for national convention to get to here. And be creative about selling that vision instead of just going, we can't go because we can't pay for a bus. You know, but instead creating a way for people to partner and make a difference for it those specific your, needs. It helps your kids see a vision, whether it's your kids, whether it's your alumni, they need to vocalize and, and share what that vision is so that when, you know, people are asking or listening, they buy into that. Um, just like your, your question earlier about, um, about the, the kid in the anvil, like, or, you know, just hearing that story about um, getting out your wallet. Like I, like I would have bought into that. Um, and so I think it would even be a great project for your officer team you know, what is their vision? What are your students' vision for their program? Um, and that might open some doors or bring to light some opportunities that you as a teacher would never think of. Maybe, maybe someone's real passion is small animal care. And if, if your kids help put something on the vision board, you might get that off your vision list much sooner because you have kids that's, it's their vision. That's how we started. Like, we're starting a community garden. That's, I know nothing about gardening. I, I've never, I never really grown anything in my life, but it was two girls' vision and they filled out and got, a, got grant money. And so now people left and right are like, how can we give to this? Or how can we help with this? I send them to them. And when they see those cute little smiles of those girls, because they're so excited, that's, that's all it takes. Sure. And you can have your students make a wish list, excuse me, wish list for their SAE projects. Um, I think that's a great place to start because we gave this past year, we shifted a lot of funding in Kentucky to SAE grants because students were, a lot of them weren't home, but they could still have SAE projects. And we awarded over $55,000 in, in grants to students from the Kentucky FFA Foundation. And the National FFA has lots of SAE grants. But again, if you don't have a vision, nobody's going to give to need. They give to vision. So you have to have a vision for what that can do for your project, what that business will be. Those are just good principles to have. And I think would be a good exercise in class. What does a $500 grant do? How can you start an SAE with a $500 grant? Brianna, it makes me think of like a community development class too. Like what's their vision for their community? Um, you know, I'm sure there's an entire board of adults where they're trying to figure out the vision for the community, but what if they invited kids to be a part of that conversation? What would kids want in their community and how could those adults help move that forward? Maybe it's a new park, maybe it's a skate park, a, sure. a movie theater, whatever. And I'll tell you that just as I have gotten older and seasoned, you said, you know, there's probably a lot of adults who have vision found a lot of times there's nobody with the vision we have just been doing the same thing like over and over and over and so being a person who can come in and say I do have a vision let me paint this picture for you um I think people are really drawn to that because we need that you know we need a world of people who are futuristic and visionary and um and I think ag teachers can do that 
Well, and oftentimes too, like I, some of my budget items, things that I've bought tools, whatever for the shop, like I've asked my kids, you know, like, what would you, and granted we can't buy everything that they want, but you know, what would you love to see in the shop or what do you maybe have seen at work or at home or whatever that you would love to have um, at school that could benefit us too. And I've gotten some really good ideas just from asking them too. So I think a lot of times like our students are really good places to start. Well, and like Sheldon, you mentioned earlier, these, these people that are donating money, they're a partner to the vision. And Brianna, by asking your kids those questions, you're making them a partner in creating a vision for your ag program. And if you start that at the high school level, now maybe as an alumni, they're going to be far more active because, you know, they were a part of that vision the four or five years that they were in your program. And maybe then creating that alumni contact list becomes easier because, you know, they're leaving a part of themselves behind because they helped create it. And then, you know, I shared that story of what if your ag teacher called you and said, I, I need this, this kid needs help. And I thought about you. Well, what if we don't have to have a certain kid who needs help? But if every year you have your alumni and say, would you give $10 to help pay for our students who've earned a trip to state convention? Or this is going to buy, I'm going to take this group of kids to a really nice restaurant. And I'm going to say the officer team from 2019-20 is buying your dinner tonight. They wanted you to get to have this experience. And so I think those are just some ideas. Instead of having to have this deep need every time, just creating opportunities for people to give back to something that they care about is um, they will, they will. I love that. Like being able to experience. And I think oftentimes too, like even, you know, you're sitting there watching TV and it'll come across like for a dollar a day, you can feed, you know, a shelter pet or whatever. Um, that's one thing. Like I write a lot of grants too, just for my chapter and try to find different things. But um, my biggest piece of advice on that would be to kind of quantify what that's going to look like. Like not saying, you know, this miter saw is going to allow us to do wood projects like this miter saw is going to allow 500 students over the course of the next you know three years mm -hmm. to build x amount of projects like actually giving a number because i think oftentimes you know that looks better than just sending students to wlc well how many students what impact are they going to get from that experience and then that follow-up like shelly mentioned earlier of reaching out and getting those photos and that that real experience from those kids after it's happened um you know i need to be better at this but i always think about creating a list that when i post about certain things that i always mention someone's name like we we were donated um from two local community members deer antlers and let me tell you the hardest thing to get donated for some reason um, because people, they're sentimental, right? We just needed the antlers attached to a skull so we could, you know, do antler scoring. That's all we needed. But to get them was so hard. And finally, we had somebody see a post and donate them. And now I can have them in storage. And I always have them every time I teach this. And so when we did it, I made sure because when they donated them, we weren't antler scoring at the time. So I made sure to like post about it. What I need to do is send those pictures to them and have the kids write a thank you. And so being mindful of like how you can go full circle, you got the money, how can you thank them later and keep 
like you said, those touch points coming. So they, they continue to feel part of that vision. And it can be easier for you too. This is a daunting job. And I'll tell you your first year, man, I have a heart for first year teachers. I was just like trying to not cry at my desk every day, basically, you know, so but you all, as you all have got, you are entrenched in your community. If you've been there for nine years, like they know you as the ag teacher. So sometimes, um, what if you're doing antler scoring and instead of like printing a picture and writing a thank you note, you just take a picture and text it to that guy and say like, these are so great every year. I will always appreciate them. That's like a meaningful, he knows you, it was from you. And it, it can be simple. And ag teachers post the best stuff. Um, you know, I quantify all of it into sponsorships and connections with donors, but I follow so many ag teachers because I just get really inspired by what they're doing. And I think a lot of times you all don't even realize how inspiring your work is because you're just so in the trenches of it. And, um, you know, just sh anything you can share, we can use. I have this video from West York. He's an ag teacher at Caldwell County we give FFA jacket grants to lots of students. And he sent us this video of him giving a girl her jacket grant that she got through our um, program. And he's just carrying on saying her name real loud and explaining what the FFA jacket is and what it means. And like, I would show, I would blast this video, you know, everywhere. Cause it is so inspiring. It like fires me up to get an FFA jacket. And, um, he probably just thought he was doing his job. You know, he just thought he was doing what he did every day, but like, it's very inspiring. So keep sharing what you're doing because I mean, my work could not happen if it wasn't for good ag teachers and um, certainly ag teachers make or break programs. And um, it's always good to cheer for the good ones. So. Yeah. Everybody pat yourself on the back. You deserve it. You do um, deserve it. Yes, we do. That's such a good feeling for, for a Tuesday. Um, what, is there any resources, tried and true things that you kind of go to or you use um, that would be great for, for teachers or alumni or foundation members? Um, I suppose some of it too might be, like you said, just being connected with people on social media to see what others are doing and it might spark I think that the biggest key is to just make a plan. It will become easier if you have a plan. Like one, create the wish list. I think teachers' time is so valuable. I think COVID's going to do a lot to change the meetings we all had to go to that maybe are, took up some time and your energy without a lot of giving back. Um, so I would just encourage you to use that time to go how, what's one thing I can do to share a good story this month? What's one thing I can do to, to connect to somebody this, this year? Um, and be kind of intentional about it. If you have good ideas, don't just go, oh, that's a good idea. But truly like put it on a, a calendar and say, this is something we're going to try to do. Um, I think it gets easier. And I think building these good partnerships will ultimately make your job much easier. Um, because you'll have a support network that's will be tremendous. Um, but it's just sharing those stories there. And I always like it. Something I'm trying to do now is every time I email my board, I'm trying to share a good news story with them. Like I, like I shared the Anvil story with them today. Last, my last email I sent, I took a couple pictures of thank you cards that we had received that were really sweet and like just sent it to them with a description of what we had funded. 
because it gives them good feelings and it gives them good news to share and to say, this is why I support FFA and to tell other people. So tell those stories, tell your students stories. It's so important. We have in AgEd and FFA, we have the best stories to share about entrepreneurship and leadership and just changing lives. And we often just sit on them. And so just try to put the good news out there. We, we really need it. <laughs> yeah. I love that. So many, I need to go re-listen to this because there's, I'm, you know, I might have my officers listen to this episode because I think so much of what we talked about, your officers could really drive this Frieger chapter yeah. and, and really spearhead some of this. And they love to be in contact with community members, whether they whether they admit it or not. Um, but they could, you know, they could really tag team and, and do a lot of what we talked about and help you create that wish list and that vision board and help you communicate your vision because um, they're your little minions running around out there, you know, who knows, they might be in a position where they get to explain your vision to somebody or they get to be sitting at a dinner table saying, you know what, I wish we had and then it only takes, it only takes that. Um, right. So, so many, so many good things. Um, thanks Sheldon for being here. We really appreciate it. Thank um, you for those of you listening, you know, February 25th, right? You mentioned that give FFA day. So um, shout out to Kentucky FFA. Make sure you go give them some love. And I'll tell you, I'm going to rag on ag teachers for a second here. I'm married to an ag teacher too. So I can say this. <laughs> We would love, I know that ag teachers, um, you know, they're not going to be our corporate donors, but I would love to see ag teachers on Give FFA Day say, I'm going to give $25 to my state foundation. I'm going to participate in the giving of, of this and be a part of it. One, because it feels good. You will join us really in that partnership for fundraising. You kind of put your money where your mouth is and says, I, I believe in what you're doing enough that I'm going to support it too. And then also it puts you in our list of donors. And so you will see, we communicate with ag teachers a lot, but you will get to see how your state is stewarding donors. You'll get to see yeah. their news stories. You'll get all those things. So um, I know you're doing the hard work. You all are doing the Lord's work every day in classrooms. But like on Give FFA Day, make a gift. Join your state foundations in the work that they're doing. Yeah, and have some fun. I know Brianna's uh, a major sponsor for North Dakota FFA Foundation um, every year. But give F I love Give FFA. I, I love Giving Hearts Day. Because it's just a fun, simple way. And North Dakota FFA does some minor things here and there where you, you donate and you, you get your name put into a drawing. Fun stuff where I feel like I don't have to break the bank. I can yeah. donate and I can, I can do it in memory of somebody. So I usually donate in memory of my mom um, or challenge somebody. Challenge another egg teacher on Giving Hearts Day um, to, to, to donate with you um, and start a chain. And pretty soon... Um, you'll just have some fun with it. Um, yeah. It's all about that. North Dakota does a great job. I I have supported all kinds of other foundations to get on their mailing list and to do that. And at North Dakota, I always love the things that you all put out. They do a great job telling student stories. And, you know, I, I get emails from them all the time. So um, good job, the folks at North Dakota FFA Foundation. Shout out. Yeah. No, we're, 
we're pretty spoiled, but so is Kentucky clearly um, with the work that you're doing. And, and I love, like, I, I'm so glad I'm not the only creepy one that follows a ton of people just to get ideas because it's so fun to see the diversity and just the creativity well, I time. don't post a lot. I do love Instagram. I don't post a lot about work on Instagram. Mostly I want to talk about uh, like weird stuff that's happening in The Bachelor and <laughs> goofy things. But um, I had a good work story today. So go check it out and just see some things that we're doing in Kentucky. And Is I never know if people are following me for that kind of yeah. content or for my kids. <laughs> well, both. Um, yeah. But does is there a social media for Kentucky FFA that um, people can follow? Yeah, we have just our Kentucky FFA page, the Foundation Association. We are one. We are one voice on all social media. We don't have multiple pages. So just uh, Kentucky FFA. and um, Yeah, they always have some good stuff. I love to see their, see their stories and see how um, FFA is so unique across the country. So Thanks again for being uh, here with us. And if this episode was helpful to you, please uh, share with others, um, tag somebody you think uh, that would get gr uh, great ideas out of this episode and, and share with those stakeholders in your program, in your state that uh, need to hear uh, this reminder of creating a vision and giving them the tools to do so. Um, so make sure you like Here by the Owl podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And we thank you for joining us.